Thank you. As you are aware, we have finished the book of Ruth. And as I mentioned last week, I'm starting on a new series that really continues on from the book of Ruth. And you may think, how can what I'm doing continue on from the book of Ruth? Well, if you remember, the book of Ruth was all about the Kingsman Redeemer, but it points to our Kingsman Redeemer. The book of Ruth is all about Jesus, pointing to Jesus. So much of our Bible points to Jesus. Jesus is central to the Christian faith. Do you know, if you look up the term Christian in most dictionaries, you get the definition, the meaning of a Christian is one who professes faith and belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. Under every term of Christian, the name Jesus Christ is always mentioned. So this person is a pretty significant person. That's why today I'm starting a series on who is Jesus. He's very significant. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the American actor, comedian, entertainer, Steve Harvey. He was the one who famously announced the Miss Universe winner incorrectly. Anyway, early in his career, he was a bit of a rebel. He didn't have much going for him in his personal life. He tended to live to please himself. And if people got in the way of that, he would just push them aside. This showed up in his relationships. Steve had been married two times, and both times, very quickly, ended up in divorce. Then in 2005, after hitting rock bottom, he met a lady named Marjorie Bridges. This lady was a strong, committed Christian. In 2007, they both fell in love and were married. They are still married and together today. In an interview last year, Steve said, Marge is responsible for making him a better man and changing his life. The interviewer said, how? And she said, she introduced me to Jesus. In 2012, Steve started a comedy tour and Marge, his wife, challenged him to use this show as a chance to proclaim the name of Jesus. She said, introduce others to the Jesus that I've introduced you to. So out of that, he put into every show a segment called Introducing Jesus. He said how he, this is how he would introduce him. How would he do it? Well, he came up with this. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor to introduce a man who needs no introduction. His credits are too long to list. He has done the impossible time after time. He hails out of a manger in Bethlehem, Jerusalem, by way of heaven. His mother is still headlining in the Catholic Church today. His daddy is the author of a book that has been on the bestseller list since the beginning of time. He holds the record for the world's greatest fish fry. He's fed 5,000 hungry souls with two fish, five loaves of bread. He can walk on water, turn water into 
special effects, no camera tricks. He has a headshot on every church fan across the country. Even before the kings of comedy, he was hailed the king of all kings, ruler of the universe, alpha and omega, beginning and the end, the bright and the morning star. Some say he's the Rose of Sharon, and some say he's the Prince of Peace. Get up on your feet, put your hands together, and show your love for the second coming of the one and only. I'm not quite sure what you think of that. Remember, he's a comedian. But how would you do it? It's a very interesting thing. Imagine if I said to you, our guest speaker next week at this pulpit will be Jesus. And what I want you to do is, can you just come up and introduce him for me? Do you know, when it comes to introducing Jesus, sadly, I think Christians have a problem. What problem is that? Well, sometimes Jesus is someone that we know of, but we don't really know. This is the, one of the main reasons why I've decided to do this series on who is Jesus. I guess you understand that you could spend years stowing a study on who is Jesus. We could almost pull out every page of our scripture and do a study on who is Jesus. But I'm not doing that. I'm keeping it brief. This series only goes for eight weeks. Today, I'm going to try and help us answer this question, who is Jesus, by looking at one of the most important things about him, his name, the name Jesus. Is there anything we can learn about Jesus from his name? Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you that you have the power to intercede and to change people's lives. And Father, I thank you that many people can know you and introduce you and just say things about you. But I thank you, Jesus, that you are still Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And I pray that as we open up your scriptures today in many forms, that you will teach us, guide us, encourage us and challenge us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Names are a very interesting thing. Think of it, you can be standing in a crowded room, a noisy room, and if someone calls your name, your ears tend to perk up. Somehow you are able to hear that combination of vowels and consonants all above all other sounds. I know our Bible mentions names a lot, and Jesus is given some. He's given Lord, Messiah, and King. However, of all the names given to this man, none is more precious, none is more sweet or majestic as the name Jesus. Let us consider some of the things about this. The first thing about Jesus is this. The name Jesus is a divinely appointed, appointed name. Each of us have a name. Every one of us has a name. And it was given to us by our parents. Perhaps you were named after some relative or you were just given a name that your parents are like or whatever the reasons, we've all been given names from our parents. I was talking with my parents last night and I got Garth from a lawyer. Don't ask me what you were thinking, but anyway. But it's better 
because they obviously didn't like my younger brother because he's cursed. He got the name of a Richmond player. He got Royce. He was named after Royce Hart. I remember, as you know, I have two daughters. One was Samantha. When we were pregnant with the second one, we didn't know what we were going to call a girl. We had a boy's name picked out. And as you know, we called her Zoe. I was in Bible college at the time. And I remember when Zoe was born and some of my fellow students heard how I named my daughter Zoe, they would comment, I love it when Christians name their kids with biblical names. You see, Zoe means life. In fact, it means life to the full. She lived up to her name. (laughs) So most of my friends thought we named Zoe after that, the real spiritual thing of the God-given life, this full life. But no, the naming of Zoe wasn't such a spiritual thing for Garth and Michelle. You see, Michelle was a big cricket fan and still is. And I remember when she was pregnant, we were watching an Alan Border tribute match on TV. In this match, they had the world's number one batsman of the time. I didn't know him. I wasn't a cricket fan. Brian Lara. And there was this girl from the Australian cricket team called Zoe Goss. Zoe bowled him out for a duck. Then out walked Jeffrey Dujong. I hope I said that name right. And he was meant to be the second best batsman in the world. Well, you guessed it. Zoe bowled, got him out for a duck. From watching this game, Michelle said, that's it. If we have a girl, we're going to name her Zoe. Well, unlike Zoe, unlike me, the name Jesus was not given to our Lord by Mary and Joseph. It was a name handpicked by God. Luke 1, 31 tells us that the angel visited Mary, told her to call her son Jesus. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will call him Jesus. Then later in a dream, Joseph saw an angel who gave him the same command. Because Joseph, her husband, a righteous man, was unwilling to disgrace Mary publicly, he said, I'm going to divorce her quietly. But after he pondered things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the one conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. So while it's true at the ceremony of his circumcision, Mary and Joseph gave him the name Jesus, it wasn't Mary and Joseph that chose it or appointed it. The name Jesus is a divinely appointed name by the Heavenly Father. Why? Out of all the names that he could have picked, why did he pick Jesus? Well, firstly, Jesus is a special name. Now, it wasn't really special in the day because Jesus was very popular. So as far as names goes, Jesus wasn't anything real original for God to choose to name his son a bit like names like David or Michael or that we have today. Jesus was no different than any other name which could be given to a child. Even today in some parts of the world, Jesus is a very common name. But we still have to say there must be something very special about this name. Why? Because God the Father chose it. The name Jesus comes from the Hebrew name Yoshua. This name means Jehovah is salvation. So in the strictest sense, the name Jesus is special because of this very reason. It means the Lord saves. While God is a God of wrath and judgment, he's also a God of love. 
Everything he does is an outgrowth of an expression of his love. I find it staggering but encouraging when it comes time to choose to name his son, when he gave this special name to his son, when the father sent his son into the world and gave him the name Jesus, he was sending a message to everyone. He was sending a message to all human race. And it was a message that says this, I have not forgotten nor forsaken you. I love you. I will give you my son who will show you who I am. He will bring you all to salvation. The name Jesus is tied up in all of that. The phase he will save his people is found in Matthew 1. And it does not refer to our, not only the salvation of Jewish people, but to everyone who puts their trust in this name Jesus. So the meaning of this special name Jesus by def, very definition speaks of salvation. Jesus saves. This is an important name for our Lord because it's in his name and his name alone that salvation is found. May I remind you of Acts chapter 4. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected and became the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we may be saved. Jesus is our Kingsman Redeemer. The name of Jesus can be misspoken by a sinner, can be sworn or yelled at. People can use the name of Jesus as a swear word, but sadly that will not accomplish him getting to know him any deeper. However, if that same sinner experiences firsthand how glorious the name Jesus truly is, like Steve did, then from a heart of faith, the swear words will turn into words of praise of salvation. The name Jesus is special because it's in that name we have the good news that Jesus is the saviour to all the lost sinners in this world. So Jesus is a name that points back to what the Father's message is. Next, Jesus is a timely name. We often hear something that is said of something good. This thing's been years in the making. They normally say that to try and build something up or make it sound better than what it really is. But when it comes to the name Jesus, it has been in the making for thousands of years. In fact, the name of Jesus has been in the making for all eternity. And God was in no hurry. Galatians 4 said, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son forth. For centuries, from the proclamations made from Isaiah right up to Elizabeth, the mother of John the Baptist, God had led different people in different places to do different things to prepare the way for this birth of this baby in Jerusalem. And when he was born, he gave him the name Jesus. In Malachi 1.11, God had promised that his name would be great among the nations. Now at the time of the New Testament, the one had arrived and that promise was fulfilled. Do you know it's interesting when you look at the New Testament Jesus is mentioned in the very first verse. Matthew 1. This is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, son of David. When you get to the very last verse of the New Testament, have a guess who's mentioned. Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with God's people. Amen. The name Jesus is in verse 1 and the name Jesus is at the very end. 
And then between those verses, the name of Jesus is mentioned over 900 times in the New Testament. The timely name of Jesus has entered our world. No wonder Revelation states, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I am the first, I am the last, I am the beginning, I am the end. The fact that Jesus' name is timely also means it will be the greatest name for all time. It is in the name that will last forever. Hebrews 10.12 says, Our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for sins, good for all time. Then he sat down in the place of honour at God's right hand. For this reason, his name is timely. It will live on forever. And because of that, Jesus is an effective name. What if I was to ask you, I'm going to sell some raffle tickets. And you said to me, yeah, I'll buy some, but what's the winning prize? And I said, oh, the winning prize is a year's worth of private tennis coaching from me. I'll come with you for a year and I'll give you private lessons for a year. Chances are you'd say thanks, but no thanks. But what if I said to you, oh, the prize is private tennis lessons for a year by Roger Federer? That name changes everything. When it comes to tennis, even though he's now retired, even though he hasn't been world number one for quite a number of years and hasn't been for some time, you know there is still power and authority in the name Roger Federer when it comes to tennis. Much more than Garth Nilsson. Or the same as with Jesus. It is in the first chapter of Matthew, the name Jesus is linked with two other names, Christ and Emmanuel. Christ means anointed. That reminds us that Jesus is a prophet. He is a priest. He is a king. He is set apart. He has a special position. The position was anointed to him by who? God the Father. Emmanuel means God with us. This reminds us that by giving Jesus this name, God wants to always say he can be with us and present in our lives. He is the master and friend of saved sinners. But there's more. His name brings privileges and blessings to save sinners. One of those blessings is prayer. We as the children of God now have the privilege of prayer thanks to the effectiveness of the name of Jesus. I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me anything in my name and I will do it, says John. Now, I know I've spoken on these verses before. And it's not wording here that's the issue. It's not that we must finish all our prayers with in Jesus' name and then we get the tick of approval. It's not meant for that. Praying in Jesus' name is how we are brought into the Trinity and how we can pray in that name. The effectiveness of Jesus' name not only gives us privileges, it also gives us authority. We as children of God have the authority to proclaim the gospel thanks to the effectiveness of the name Jesus. He told them, when it comes to the effectiveness of his name in Luke, this is what is written, the Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Let me tell you, if you have a passion for evangelism, 
If you have a passion of sharing the gospel and reaching the lost, well, it is only, only in the name of Jesus that you can do that. It is the name of Jesus that gives you the authority to share the good news. Why? Because he is the good news. If you take out that name Jesus from evangelism, you have nothing to offer. Without the name of Jesus, salvation and the good news loses all its effectiveness. His name is effective. To know the effectiveness of Jesus' names can bring change to your life and to the life of others. No wonder Paul says in Philippians, Therefore God exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, and that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow and every tongue confess on heaven and earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Yes, there is something special about that name. It is a divinely appointed name. It's a special name and it is a timely name and it's an effective name. But as I always say, so what? How does this apply to us today? Well, for me, it comes down to this. If we are going to introduce Jesus, then we are going to need to know Jesus. I don't know if you've ever had the job of introducing someone as a guest speaker or something like that. Well, I have, and I'll tell you what makes all the difference. When you introduce a person, there's one thing that makes a big difference in your introduction. Do you know that person or not? I remember when I first came into this church for our two weeks, I don't know if you remember, but Nell did a children's talk up here. She did a children's talk with the kids and she, she welcomed Michelle and I and then she went on to tell the kids how much she knew us. And she came with photos, she came with quotes and things, she shared with the kids some of my likes. You know, she fooled many people. But even though she fooled many people, she never knew me at all. Never. Imagine for a minute if someone saw what she did that day and then went up and asked her, wow, now, that was great, you are good. Look, we're having the special meeting in a few weeks. Can, you, um, can we give you the job of talking about him and answering any questions that people may have about him? Imagine if it was her job to do that, to answer questions at that meeting that you put forward. Well, let me tell you, as good as her kids' talk was, she would struggle. Why? Because she only knew of me. She went and looked online and found photos. She went and she tried to find out stuff about me. Let me tell you, there's a big difference between knowing of someone and knowing someone. Let me paint another scenario to you. Imagine if I thought, I've been here now six months. I wonder how I'm doing at um, getting to know people and getting people to know me. And so I want to put this theory to a test. I'm not doing this. But I want to find out how I'm going. So what I want you to do is I want everyone, don't do this, I want everyone to stand up, okay, and what we're going to do is we're going to get in a line. If you think you know me quite well, I want you to be at the front of the line, right? And then you can try and work your way and we'll get down to the back to see who knows me well. Well, I guess you realise, who would be at the front of the line today? Michelle, 
probably, or my parents. I think they'd be fighting, <laughs> you know. And now some of you may think, yeah, I know he loves the crows. I know he loves Les Mis. I know he's got two daughters. And, you know, and so you just work it out. Right? But what if I did this? I said, what I want you to do today is get up and do the same thing with a line, but instead of what you know about God, what do you know about Jesus? Put yourself in a line of how well do you know Jesus? Where do you think you would be? Where do you think you'd put yourself? Now, you may think, well, I'd be towards the front of the line. I know lots about Jesus. I've studied about Jesus for years of my life. I can tell you almost everything about him. I know his family. I know his brothers. I know his relatives. I know everything about his hometown. I know where he travelled and what he said. I can tell you the parables in order. I can tell you the miracles he done in order. There is almost nothing about the life of Jesus I don't know. In fact, as the saying goes, what I don't know about Jesus isn't worth knowing. While knowledge is great, sadly for some Christians, that's all Jesus is. It's a whole lot of knowledge. It's a whole lot of head knowledge. Imagine if a person like that was standing at the front of the line and I said to that person, that's great, but can I ask you a question? How has God changed your life? How has Jesus changed your life? And they said, oh, He's changed it. I'm a lot smarter now. I've spent years of my time studying how much I know about Jesus. Sadly, people like that, let me tell you, don't know Jesus at all the way Jesus wants to be known. The only miracle of Jesus that really you should want relevant in your life is the miracle of change that he can bring to your life. That's what you should want to know about. Remember some of the meanings of his name? The Lord saves. He's anointed. God with us. Our response to the name Jesus shouldn't just be a life of study. It should be a life of commitment. If you're going to be committed to following Jesus, then you need to know him personally. You don't need to know about him. You need to know him personally. We need to know the ways of Jesus, the values of Jesus, and the priorities of Jesus. Do you know, I've heard people say that all of us have this little hole inside of us that Jesus wants to come and fill. That's not true. God doesn't want you to be filled in a little hole. God wants to take over everything. God wants to you 100%. I've heard people say, that they've made a decision about God. Well, just as there's a big difference between knowing of someone and knowing someone, I want to tell you there's a big difference between a decision and a commitment. You see, you can make a decision, really, without making a cost, but you can't make a commitment in your life without making a cost. Julie spoke on it, the cost of being commissioned. We are persecuted more and more. We are put down more and more. We are told we're irrelevant more and more. When you make a commitment in your life to this name Jesus, you are making a cost. But let me say this, it's up to us as God's children to magnify the name of Jesus, not on buses, not on billboards, but in our lives, 
in the way we walk, in the way we talk, in the way we treat people. It is by our good works, our godly walk and our gracious speech. That's how you know Jesus. And that's how you proclaim Jesus to others. It's up to us to exalt him. It's us to us to speak that effective name, Jesus, for all time. Just the mention of that precious name can make a massive difference in your life and a massive difference in someone else's life. The name of Jesus can bring peace in times of trouble, comfort in times of pain and suffering, joy in times of sadness, hope in times of hopelessness. What an amazing name. That's what it does. That's what he brings. Singer Bobby Venton released a song in 1969 titled To Know You Is To Love You. The chorus to his song really brought out the title. The chorus was this, to know, know, know you is to love, love, love you. For me, the message of this song isn't the importance of loving someone. That's not what he's singing about. The importance of his song lies in knowing someone. He starts to know, know, know you is to love, love, love you. What I like about this title is it brings out the importance of this. If you are going to love someone, then you are really going to need to know that someone. So the question must be asked, how well do you know Jesus? If you are going to love Jesus, then you are going to need to know Jesus personally. If we are going to be committed to loving Jesus, then we are going to need to know him personally because chances are you're not going to be committed to love following someone that you don't really know. This Jesus who we looked at today and will continue to look at over the next three weeks, I want to tell you this, he's worth knowing. In fact, this is the Jesus that I want us to know and be committed to following. Because Bobby was right. To know, know, know him, you will love, love, love him. That's why a fresh new commitment to God and to his son and to this name will turn our lives, our homes, our church, our community and our world upside down. Are you ready for the journey? We're going to do it together. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, I thank you for your great plan of sending your son to die for us. And Lord, sometimes people just know the name Jesus is a swear word. But Lord, as we look at his life, I pray that you just won't fill us with head knowledge, but we'll get heart knowledge. Help us to know him and love him and help us to take that love to everyone around us. And it is in his mighty name, in that name, Jesus, the Lord saves, we say amen.